Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic, where I call you explorers because you're exploring out of your curiosity with me what it looks like to hear from God, how it changes us, and how it can change the world around us. And I love these interviews. I love spending time with people and hearing their story, hearing what makes them come alive in God, hearing those moments of breakdown and breakthrough. I mean, those are so important because we learn so much through the power of story, sometimes even more than the power of sermons. I always say, if a picture is worth a thousand words, someone's story is worth a thousand sermons, for real. And I've had experiences with God based on someone else's story. Even on this podcast, people will say things that that just cause a reaction inside of me or cause me to go, oh, that's what you're like, God. Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. I've had moments of tears and laughter and all of the things in between because of listening to stories from people who are just so amazing from around the world who are common people you don't always get to hear from. But today's guest is someone who's actually, I think, someone in a church world that everybody celebrates who knows him. His name is Peter McHugh, and he's the pastor of Stairway Church, which he and his wife planted in Australia. It's in Melbourne, Australia. And Peter has been an old friend in the sense that I've been to Australia, visited with him, spent time with them, really felt just the love and the, the maturity of what they're building, the beauty of what they're building. Some of my close friends are on staff with them. We've run into each other a few times at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and I just love his his spirit of what he brings. But he's a pastor that somehow fits in the conservative Christian world of Australia and the charismatic Pentecostal world because of his heart for people. He loves people really well. And he's a father of fathers. And so I really want him to be on the show to talk about his experience of how he's made those worlds collide and just who he is. And I think you're going to learn a lot through it as well as we go on this adventure together and hearing another person's story of how God's interacting with them and how the prophetics that work in their life. So stay tuned. Hey, my fellow explorers, we have a brand new book out. And if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem-solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are gonna love this book. I wanna encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Welcome back to Exploring the Prophetic. I know I just talked about Peter McHugh, but now you get to meet him if you haven't already. And I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for Skyping in or what is it, Zooming in, whatever this is, from from Australia. Thanks, Sean. It's really great to be with you this morning. And you guys are experiencing a pretty significant lockdown. Yeah, we are. Uh, Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world uh, oh. through the whole COVID thing. So we're in our sixth lockdown and we're in the eighth week of that sixth lockdown. And wow. we've got another four weeks ahead of us that we know of. So yeah, now, it's, um, we it's have a little, We have wimpy lockdowns where we can still go to stores and Target and stuff like that. <laughs> 
your lockdown's like severe, right? Like you, there's only yeah. grocery stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can only leave the house for four reasons. Um, and one of them is to go and get uh, food. Uh, we can only travel for five kilometres around our house. We can't go any further than that. We've got oh, a curfew at night uh, from eight o'clock at night to five o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, we're, we're locked down. So everybody's listening, pray when you think of Please do. this church Please do. and this group. Pray for this city and this nation. Okay, well, yeah. that's not what we're actually talking about. I just wanted to no, thank you. <laughs> I know you're like, you're probably sick of talking about the lockdown. <laughs> you're not locked out of this conversation. We can talk about whatever we want. Uh, you have a really rich history of just your pastoral ministry locally in Australia, but then also mentoring leaders around the world. And you've just been such an incredible voice. And people who know you, you're just so, there's so much endearment to who you are. I got to visit your church and I just love the culture that you've built. And uh, I met people from your church through the years, even who transitioned here to America and, you know, been around the world. And so tell us, kind of take us in your story because you're right now writing books and mentoring leaders and fathering and pastoring, but take us on the story of how you got there. Yeah. Um, so mountaintop, uh, next year, it's 40 years since I came to faith. So, wow. uh, university, um, in Sydney, Australia, um, I was a student, uh, politician of a Marxist persuasion. Oh my goodness. Words. Uh, I used to argue with them on the lawns of Sydney university all the time. Um, so, but then, uh, when arguing with Christians, they had one thing that I couldn't counter and that was prayer. And so anyway, I had a very supernatural conversion, um, went to church uh, wanting to stop somebody else coming to faith. I'd left Lynn, my wife now, who was my wife then, but we I had an affair. Anyway, came to faith um, and uh, just saw the Lord re rebuild our marriage, restore our marriage. Wow. Um, and then from there, we've had three beautiful children. Uh, one of whom nearly died from cot death, uh, and that was a very supernatural intervention as to how the Lord saved him. So lots of supernatural activity. Uh, came to faith three days later. I was on my own reading the Bible, and uh, my tongue started rattling around inside of my head uncontrollably. Oh, my and gosh. And I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was going mad. Um, so I'd done enough psychology in my social work degree to know that that was not normal human behavior. So, yeah, so I got sovereignly <laughs> baptized. I got sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a very supernatural experience that we've had. Uh, we've so you had the supernatural experience, but it also planted your roots or your feet into ministry. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so um, after being a Christian for three and a half years, uh, the Lord asked us to plant a church in another city in Australia, in Canberra, the capital city of Australia. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so that was pretty wild. Looking back on it, I'm not sure that I'd let someone that had been saved for three and a half years plant a church. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so we planted it and it grew very quickly. It grew to 250 people in 18 months. Um, and wow. again, it was a very supernatural sort of ride. Moved back to Sydney to head up a Bible college and then we moved here to Melbourne uh, 33 years ago to start the church that we currently lead. So it grew very rapidly. In the first six years, it grew to 1,150 people um, and then 70% uh, of that was salvation growth. Then we hit our train wreck years, 18 months of where 380 people left the church, um, which was devastating to me personally. Um, and then we've just sort of continued to push on from there. So uh, in the process, got to meet Bill Johnson and Graham Cook, uh, who radically altered the way that we viewed the kingdom and we viewed where the church fitted in the kingdom uh, and the supernatural just really ramped up enormously uh, in getting to know those guys. So. Well, it's really interesting because from my perception, you're leading a church that has influence amongst conservative Christian groups and also mm -hmm. charismatic Christian groups. 
And you guys are unashamedly going after the supernatural, though. I mean, there's yeah. so many of the marking experiences that have caused your church to move forward, even in those times of hardship, as to because God spoke spoke to you. Can you remember any of those stories, like that, you think would be relevant to this conversation? That are where God came in and actually helped you, or moved you forward, or gave you that hunger or passion, or to to carry the torch of the prophetic amongst a lot of. I mean, Australia is so divided about that, and yet somehow sure. you guys fit in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a combination of how I'm wired, how the Lord's gifted me. Um, you know, people sort of refer to me as an intellectual Pentecostal. Um, and so I, I taught my year at university. Um, yeah, so I've got a really good brain in my head. It, it's a friend and an enemy all at the same time. Uh, I have to make sure I don't lean into it more than I lean into the spirit. So I think I'm safe for uh, the more conservative expressions of uh, Christianity. Um, I think they can see that I've thought it through and I can actually unpack it for them in a way that mm. makes sense. Um, but on the other hand, I have these extraordinary experiences that other people go, wow, I'd like to have some of that. You know, uh, that, that, that would really work if, <laughs> if that could yeah. be a part of my life. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, all of the stories of how God sort of intervened in my own personal world um, in uh, 19, uh, what was, what's the date? It's not, you know, sorry, in 2004, um, I ended up being aware of a whole bunch of fear in my life. I was aware of fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being misunderstood, fear of being taken advantage of. Um, and so the Lord took me on a really powerful journey that perfect love casts out all fear. If that fear was still present in my life, I didn't have a deep enough revelation of the love of God to displace mm -hmm. it. So I needed to get that revelation. So um, I purposely set my face towards that and uh, and went uh, basically to hell and back uh, to to see that counted. Uh, there was a sun, two Sundays in a row in April of 2005 where I was lying on my bed in a fetal position, crying my eyes out, so afraid that no one would come to church. Um, wow. And so I thought that was the bottom uh, of the tunnel that I was in, but it was just a ledge on the way down. And oh, so wow. um, I ended up in New Zealand with some very good friends there, had this extraordinary encounter with the love of God, which changed everything. Um, and so so when I tell that story, uh, conservative uh, Christians, people that I love deeply, Catholics, uh, they can't argue with that. They can't argue with God's yeah. turning up in my world in that way. And, uh, and I'm able to point to the fact that it is the Lord that is able to do those sorts of things. And then the prophetic just rides in on the back of that. So. I'm going to go back to that story a little bit because, I mean, here you're already pastoring and you get this revelation there's fear in your life. And then it starts to play out. Like it starts to manifest in a big way. Or maybe just you recognized it more than ever. Yeah, and, no, it manifests itself. <laughs> okay, so as, a, as a pastor, you know, somebody who's already in leadership who's going through that level of um, an experience when you're trying to lead people forward and you have this fear thing. I mean, were you able to talk to people in your own church about it? Or were you, were you hiding it? Were you, was it progressive? Because it sounds like it took a little while to happen. Because I think a lot of people go through things, and especially pastors. I mean, if you look at the Barna statistics here in the North, North America, which can be indicators of the Western church, 89% of pastors are going through an anxiety level they've never gone through before. And That's so right. for you to talk about the encounter you had back in 2004, I think it's helpful for other people to hear pastors go through incredible things too. Sure. And you're leading a church. Was it, was it private? Was it public? How did you, how did you bring the church along after you got the revelation? Yeah, sure. No, thank you. Um, so where to begin? Uh, maybe a quick uh, grab is that I've written a book about it called A Voyage of Mercy, uh, which has gone around the world. Um, and so if any of the listeners wanted to grab a hold of it, particularly pastors, pastors find it very encouraging to read my story. 
Um, so uh, when I realised what was happening, so to begin with, I thought it was just the devil attacking me. When I began to realise that it was the Lord that was asking me to go on a journey, I spoke to the senior leaders of the church that I was directly accountable to. I think it's important to remember that we'd already built a culture of knowing and being known. We'd built a culture yeah. of safety um, where we don't expect one another uh, to have it all together. We're actually broken. Um, and so we're able to talk amongst ourselves about where we're struggling without then feeling like we're failing or that we need to criticise yeah. one another. And so, um, so I asked them to come with me on the journey. I asked them to support me and carry me through it. I then had about 20 people that I invited into my world to pray for me, and I stayed in wow. touch with them through emails. Um, and four of those emails are in the book that I just mentioned, um, which sort of unpacked the journey. And so I think it was, for me, it was a combination of understanding the power of community, and but also understanding that God gives grace to the humble. And I just needed to be humble enough to acknowledge that that was happening. Wow. Um, did my church know about it? Um, not a lot. We didn't talk to the church about it, though I was really supported by my staff and by the elders yeah. of the church. Um, but once I had the experience in New Zealand where the, I just had this amazing encounter with the love of God, I probably took about six months before I started to talk about it. And as I started to talk about it, again, people went, wow, if that worked for you, I want some of that as well. And so we then started to see the Lord touching people in all sorts of wonderful ways, giving them great experiences and encounters with the love of God as well. And so for us, it comes now down to Ephesians 3.19. says, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you might be yes. filled up to the fullness of God. And the Greek word there, to know, means to know by experience and encounter. So you've got knowledge in your heart and you've got knowledge in your head. Um, the wow. knowledge in your heart will always trump the knowledge in your head. And so the anxiety that passes a feeling is the knowledge in their heart. But what they know in their head isn't going to counter it. They need to have an encounter with God. And so then it's just a matter of helping them have that encounter through a whole bunch of different ways. Wow. That's beautiful. I think, I mean, people are listening are like, I want that culture. You know, that's, that's something mm -hmm. that people are aiming for right now, especially in, you know, post-pandemic and all the things we're going yeah. through throughout the world. We've never seen this many natural disasters. So devastating. No, we had an earthquake here two days ago. So. Oh, you did? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It just feels like, you know, I, I watched a TikTok the other day and, and the guy, it was a comedy TikTok, like nine second video where he's like, puts his covers over his head and he said, I'm sick of living through, um, you know, world historic events. <laughs> Wake me up when, it, when it's all over. And I feel like that's kind of the state of humanity. And sure. yet we have this God who you've experienced over and over. And I love that you're vulnerable in sharing how you've experienced it because it's not always in the places of great breakthrough. It's also the places of great need. Absolutely. And that's, that's a, that's a very beautiful thing. That's not always expressed kind of take us into the now season. Cause I know you, you know, 40 years in ministry, that's incredible. And just as a Christian and, and so in the now season, you guys have your church, it's thriving, but you also have in the midst of COVID pan, lockdown, <laughs> you know, pandemic, whatever that looks like, but you also have a number of other things you're doing. Kind of talk to us even about your, your current book. Cause it was birthed out of encounter as well. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. Um, so I get to travel uh, more than most, uh, which is a great privilege. And so in March of 2018, um, I travelled to Adelaide, which is another city in Australia. Um, Australia works from January to December is our natural rhythm because January is our, our summertime. Um, and so it was the first time that I left uh, the church. I stay in church in February because we're getting everything up and going. And then so off to Adelaide. Um, so I arrived in Adelaide and uh, my bag was the first bag out on the carousel. Um, that had never happened to me before and all the time that I travelled around the world and it's never happened to me again. 
Um, but when it came out first, I felt the Holy Spirit just nudge me and say, take note. Uh, we then went to where we were staying um, and there were six units uh, on a beach in Adelaide and we were staying in apartment number one. And, uh, and I said to Lynn that afternoon, my wife, I bet you when we go out to dinner tonight, we'll be seated at table number one. Mm. And we went to a restaurant where there were 27 tables and we were seated at table number one. Oh, wow. um, and then if not to show off, the Lord, when we came back, we came back to Melbourne Airport and the, we fly Virgin Airlines here in Australia where the carousels are there, they're really tight. And so all of our bags were coming out on carousel number two, our flight. Um, and there was a gentleman who got his bag and he pushed behind me to get out. And so I just turned around to make sure he had enough room to get out. And on carousel number one, there was only one bag and it was mine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? How I, it's just, I, even today, I still shake my head. I go, I, I cannot understand that. So anyway, it was out of that. I, coming into this, these experiences, the Lord had been speaking to me out of John 17 and John 13 about our oneness, about our love yeah. for one another. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is, one, uh, the Lord is God, uh, the Lord is one. And so this idea of oneness, this idea that God is a covenant community of love, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they had oneness with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve exchanged their oneness with God for being like God in the mm -hmm. garden. Jesus came to restore our oneness with God, uh, restore our identity. Um, and so, so all of those ideas have been bubbling around in me for a couple of years, and I just felt the Lord say to me, I want you to carry this as your message for the rest of your life. Um, and so... Yeah, so I'm writing four books. They're called Radically Restored. The first one's Radically Restored to Oneness with God. The second one is Radically Restored to Oneness with One Another. Third is Radically Restored uh, to Influence Our Communities. Um, and then the fourth one will be about leadership ideas about how to build communities of faith where oneness is the highest thing that we pursue, that we, we pursue love for one another rather than being right. So, yeah. You know, John 17 is my life scripture. It's like my favorite. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. It has been since I was 24. And so wow. I just, just that theme is so profound. And I remember, you know, one of the movements I was involved with was in Kansas City. And the pastor, the leader of that movement was a man named Mike Bickle. And he, and I yeah. know you would know who he is, but some of our listeners may not. And, uh, sure. and one of the things that Mike said was that, you know, like that God's going to restore First love is one of the main themes of the next great worldwide revival. Okay, wow. And and that was back in the 90s. So we haven't had a worldwide revival since then. Other, we've had some really big moves of God, even in the Middle East right sure. now in China. But it hasn't been a worldwide, kind of like a Jesus people movement, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been excited since those days because for me, I just feel like what you're talking, you know, what your experience in that place of, you know, even, even being a number one with God or, or having favor of God, comes out of that place of such deep connectedness that he is just so organic and natural. And there's so many people who don't understand that in the midst of what they're doing. So I love that you've written this book. I actually had a chance to read it and it was very good. You where your team was able to send me a copy and, and it just your, your way of thinking, you're right. You're an intellectual. So you wrote it from an approach that still has the encounter, but it's also takes us through the theology of, or understanding yeah. of it, which is so good. How would you, how would you give somebody like a, a two minute version of the book? So they could really understand because I want our listeners. I, I know you didn't know I was going to ask you to talk about your book, but I'm so impacted by it. So I think, how would you sure. uh, like tell them so we could get some more people like connected to this material? Yeah. yeah. Um, so radically restored to oneness with God is built around the idea of when Zacchaeus came to faith, 
um, Jesus uh, said, "Today has come salvation. Today salvation has come to this household uh, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of God came to seek and to save." And the next word there is not those who are lost. The next word in the original is that or what. So mm -hmm. Jesus said of himself that he came to seek and to save something that was lost or that, that word lost can also be destroyed, uh, translated destroyed. And so Jesus came to seek and to save something that's attached to people um, that was destroyed. So what was destroyed? What was destroyed was our oneness with God in the garden. Adam and Eve exchanged oneness with God for being like God. They exchanged fathers. And so Jesus came, he came to radically restore us back to oneness with God. That's why we've been saved. We've been saved into the family of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have been adopted into the family of God. And many of us tend to live with our idea that we were saved from hell or we were saved from something bad, from our sin, which is true. But the primary reason Jesus came was that we would be born again into a covenant community so of love and that we'd learn how to love and we'd learn how to live in oneness. In 1 John 3, I think it's verse 14, John says, uh, we know that we've been moved from uh, darkness to light because of our, of our love for one another. Um, and so, so the whole idea is that God actually came to radically restore us to himself. Now, this was understood all the way through the New Testament, um, but we tend to miss it because we're looking yeah. at our salvation through the eyes of I've been saved from something rather than I've been saved to something. Um, and we've been saved to oneness with God. We've been saved to a lifestyle of love. By this all men will know that you are disciples by your love for one another. And so the two key scriptures uh, in the Gospels about revealing the kingdom of God is love one another as I have loved you, John 13, uh, 34 and 35, and John 17, um, by this all men will know that the Father sent the Son by our, our love for one another. So, yeah, so the book is, swings around all the theological ideas about being restored to oneness with God and how we need wow. to protect that and look after that. So. Which is, I, I was fascinated because I was thinking about you when um, I got the book and I was reading through it. And I thought, isn't it amazing that Peter's life, after all these years of ministry, you've done so many different types of things in the nations, locally, that your message now in this phase you know, of your life that you're saying you're going to carry for the rest of your life is to help people to understand this. But it's really an antidote to a lot of the, the cultural issues we have in the church, such as yeah. competition yeah. or such as, you know, division or accusation or people who yeah. are jealousy, these kinds of things. Yeah. This is the antidote because when, you, when you're loving your neighbor, when you're loving someone, when they're in a community of affection, when you can have both the breakdowns and, 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 and celebration moments with people, and when you're for everybody else, you're loving someone as much as yourself or you're preferring others or those kinds of things that comes from this place of knowing God in this way mm -hmm. to have this experiential slash biblical kind of the word and the spirit sure. together. Yeah. I mean, it's the antidote. And I love that you're, you're taking your fathering experience, your maturity into helping people. It's a very basic concept. That's the least celebrated concept in the church. So you're right. taking your fathering this maturity and you're helping to season something that I think is just so needed. I mean, I feel like how cool of an encounter is that I was thinking about you before we were doing the podcast, like how, how amazing that God is doing it. Because that's what I run into, especially when I was traveling so prolifically up until COVID hit, was everybody was asking who was in ministry or in leadership somewhere in society was asking for mentoring. Yeah. yeah it was right. nonstop. Could you, and I'm looking at them yeah. going, some of them had 20 years on me. You know, like it's like, mm. okay, you're looking for something and what you're really asking for is how do I connect what Jesus prophesied in John 
14, 15, and 16, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And you're going to yeah. hear the Father like I hear, hear the Father. And you're going to do things yeah. because of that, because of that connection that I have, the John 17 that he showed them in prayer. You're going to do things out of that place of connection that will change the world, but also will you yourself will glory in, you know? And I just feel yeah. like, man, I love that you're doing this, Peter. It's so profound. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, Sean, that I've come to realize is that Christians tend to rent ideas more than they own ideas. <laughs> so um, and so, you know, uh, people rent the idea of forgiveness more than they own it. Um, wow. People rent the idea of loving one another more than they own it. And the, the way we come to own ideas is through revelation and encounter and experience. Um, mm -hmm. And we've just got to be able to look at our behavior and go, I know that I'm not forgiving this person, so therefore that's a site for an encounter with God, rather than I know I'm not forgiving this person. And actually, I quite like the feeling of not forgiving them because I feel like I'm not. Um, and I'm so I don't know what you're talking about, Peter. I've never done that. <laughs> so I, I think it's a matter of trying to understand how the Holy Spirit works and that the yeah. Holy Spirit, you know, in John 14, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our righteousness um, because I go to the Father. And so the word righteousness has two meanings, propitiation, which is the forgiveness of sin that we would have right standing with God. But righteousness also has another meaning, expiation, which is to um, the removal of sin, which allows right relationship. And so when the Bible says that God is righteous, what it's saying is that God is faithful to pursue right relationship with mankind, with anybody. And that's what Jesus is all about. God is pursuing faithful relationship with humanity by sending the second Adam. And so if righteousness, so we're meant to practice righteousness, 1 John, we're meant to seek righteousness, Matthew 6. We're meant to hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5. And so what are we hungry and thirsting after? What are we seeking? What are we practicing? Well, we're meant to be practicing seeking and hungry and thirsting after being faithful and living in right relationship with one another. Um, and, and so if we can only make that the center of, of our spirituality, because love is meant to be the center of our spirituality um, and living in right relationship with one another, behold, the Lord is, is God. He, he is one. You know? And so this whole idea of oneness is central to the nature and character of God. And I think of the breastplate of righteousness because, too, like where yeah. the breastplate guards the heart. That's and how right. that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, why did he say not the helmet of righteousness over your mind, but yeah. the breastplate, which is guarding your organs, it's guarding the precious right. places inside of yeah. you. So good, yeah. Peter. Yeah. yeah, great point. Yeah. And so we've just got to help people stop renting ideas and help them to own ideas. And to do that, we've just got to be humble enough to say, I'm renting this idea. Just like I had to recognize I was renting the idea that God loved me, but I still had, dom I was dominated by fear in different settings. Yeah. I had to be humble enough to go, mm, I've got a problem. I, I need some help. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so encouraged. I'm so encouraged by your talk and I'm so encouraged about who you are and what you bring to the table of just these kinds of conversations. Could you tell us how to get a hold of your ministry and your books? Um, yeah, so I passed through a church in Melbourne, Australia called, uh, I have to say it with an, I have to roll my R's. When I told Bill Johnson that we'd changed the name of our church to Stair, Stairway, I said it like an Australian says it, Stairway. He thought I said uh, Stay Away. Uh, so he thought we'd call <laughs> our church Stay Away Church. And only in Melbourne, Australia. Instead of Mel, Melbourne, and you say Melbourne. That's right. And then yeah, you yeah, say yeah. Stay Away, and we say Stairway. <laughs> so it's like we, I'm right. in Melbourne, Australia, which is Melbourne. 
and Stairway Church. That's right, Stair, Stairway. <laughs> it's, it's the same with my name. If I say Peter in, in America, I go, what? I go, oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. <laughs> you have a good American accent. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so you just go to Stairway, uh, stairway.org.au uh, or, you know, you just Google Stairway. Um, and the books are available through Amazon and uh, all that, you know, they're distributed by Destiny Image um, over, uh, you know, around the world. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. Hope to talk to you again. And everybody pray for Australia. Indeed. Thanks, Sean. I really appreciate the opportunity. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line. And also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.